Hello, welcome to the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast, where it is all about helping amazing physicians just like you create a wealthy life free from burnout and with the financial security to practice medicine on your own terms. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Zhang. Thanks so much for coming back to listen to another episode of the Grow Your Wealthy Mindset Podcast. You may have heard of people talking about building multiple streams of income, as well as getting passive income. But have you wondered what that actually means? The idea behind multiple streams of income is to have income or money paid to you from different sources. Many people have one major stream of income, which is their job. In this case, we're talking about someone who has one employer, whether they are working full-time or part-time. This is the income that supports their lifestyle, by which I mean all of their cost of living, the cost of rent or mortgage, food, transportation, clothes, etc. It costs money to live. That means that if you're downsized or let go or fired from your one employer, then you've lost your major source of income. Depending on how much money you have saved or having your emergency account, this can be a small financial setback or potentially a very large one. If you don't have much of an emergency fund, you may end up spending on credit cards with high interest rates and getting behind on making financial progress. The idea behind multiple streams of income is that if you lose one stream of income, you still have income coming from other places that can support your cost of living. Even having two part-time jobs with different employers can offer a little bit more security than a single job with one employer. If you lose one of the jobs, then you still have income from the other job. With jobs, you're generally trading time for money. You go to work and in return, you receive a paycheck. If you're self-employed, you may be your own boss, but if your business can't run without you, then you are still trading your time for money. That being said, you may be able to leverage your time with the time of other people, like contractors or your employees, to generate more income. Eventually, you can build a team so that your business requires less and less of your time. At that point, your business moves from you being self-employed to a business owner, and eventually, your business could actually produce passive income for you instead of being active income that you have to go to work and actually make the money. Entrepreneurship is a pathway to climb to the echelons of the super-rich. When you think about the billionaires in the world, most of them got there by starting a business that grew large. Bill Gates with Microsoft, Jeff Bezos with Amazon, Warren Buffett with Berkshire Hathaway, Larry Page and Sergey Brin with Google, Larry Ellison with Oracle, and the Walton family with Walmart. If we look outside of the United States, there's Amancio Ortega from Spain, who started the store Zara, and Stefan Persson from Sweden, who started H&M. The idea of passive income is that you generate income that's disproportionate to the amount of time that you spend to get that income. This is a little different than what the IRS defines as passive income. We'll get more into IRS definitions later. Some people may generate a lot of passive income from one source, but many people strive to have multiple streams of passive income. How many streams of income should you have? Well, according to the IRS, most millionaires have seven income streams. One, dividend income from stocks owned. Two, earned income from paychecks. Three, rents from rental real estate. Four, royalties from selling rights to use something that they've written or invented. Five, capital gains from selling appreciated assets. Six, profits from businesses they own. And seven, interest from savings, CDs, bonds, or other lending activities. Do the income streams make the millionaire? Or do millionaires invest to have multiple streams of income? 
it's probably a synergistic relationship where people who become millionaires invest into more streams of income and then continue to reinvest to grow their wealth to the point where they eventually can live off their passive income. As I've said before, the key to building wealth is acquiring assets. Turning your active income into multiple passive income streams is a clear way to build wealth. A lot of ways of getting passive income involves creating or acquiring assets. It doesn't necessarily take seven different income streams to make you wealthy. After all, one very profitable business could bring in all the passive income you need. However, just like with investments, it's always good to diversify. What happens if that one profitable business ends up going out of business? We've seen large businesses fail. After all, the companies on the original Dow Jones list are not the same companies as on the Dow Jones of today. Even companies that seem like they're doing really well could have a sudden fall from grace. Just take a look at Enron. So let's dig a little deeper into the different types of income, both active and passive. I'll start with active income. I already mentioned earned income. Earned income is your day job, where you're really trading time for money. Many lower income jobs are actually paid based on an hourly wage. So it's very specifically this amount of dollars per hour worked. Higher income jobs could be salaried or paid per time period, like per hour, per day, or per shift. Some jobs are paid based on commissions or production, where income may be less correlated with time worked and more correlated with some sort of result. This could mean that you work a lot of hours and don't actually make commission, or that you generate a significant income in a small amount of time. Either way, you're still working directly for money, so it's still considered earned income. As physicians, most of us have earned income. If we're employed, all our clinical work is earned income. If we own our own practice, we may have some earned income and some business income. So let's talk about business income. Business income comes from owning a business. And a private practice is a business. Depending on the business, you may have earned income from the business from the time you work in the business, as well as having business income that comes from actually owning the business. If you're a private practice doctor, the time you spend seeing patients and doing clinical work is your earned income. If you employ other physicians or physician extenders like nurse practitioners, then you may have some business income if you pay these people less than the revenue they bring in after accounting for costs. Your private practice may also sell products that bring in business income. Many ophthalmology practices have optical shops where they sell eyeglasses and that brings in more income. Dermatologists may sell skincare products in their offices. You could also own a business that you don't work in, but you may spend some time managing. You could own a laundromat where you employ people, including a manager, to actually run the business. You'll still likely oversee some aspects of the business, like managing the manager, but you can imagine having a setup where you're rarely actually at the laundromat or working on the laundromat business. This laundromat could be considered passive income. Let's talk more about different types of passive income. One passive income that many people actually do have is interest income. And this is income that comes from lending money to someone, whether it's a person or a business, and you receive interest payments on the money that you lend. The payments may be interest only or may include principal, meaning some of the original money lent is included in each payment. When you put money in a savings account that pays you interest, you're effectively actually loaning money to the bank. 
It may not feel that way because you can get that money back anytime, but the money that's sitting in the bank, the bank is now using to make more money. And so it's paying you interest to keep money in the bank. And the bank takes that money, invests it elsewhere where it can get a higher rate of return than it is paying you. You can also make a loan that's backed by an asset to ensure that if you don't get the money loan back, then you can take the asset. This is what's called a secured loan. And a common example is a mortgage on a property. With a mortgage, you can get a loan to purchase a property, and then that loan is secured by the property itself. You can actually act as a mortgage provider where you loan money to someone else to buy a property and then have that loan secured by the property they're buying. You could also participate in peer-to-peer lending. There are peer-to-peer or crowd lending websites where you can be matched to an individual who's seeking a loan. Doc2Doc is a company that provides personal loans to doctors. There are opportunities to actually loan money to Doc2Doc which then lends money to doctors, like recently graduated medical students who need money to move to their residency program. You can find out more about Doc2Doc Lending at doc2doclending.com. For full disclosure, I do own shares in the company Doc2Doc Lending. There's also dividend income, which is money distributed to you from owning shares of a company. This could be a privately held company or a publicly traded company. Not all companies pay dividends to their shareholders, so if you're looking for passive income, that's something to consider. Younger companies that are rapidly growing typically use their income to reinvest in the company. Older, more established companies that are fiscally conservative are more likely to pay dividends. There are some types of companies that are more likely to pay dividends, like utility and energy companies are companies that typically do pay dividends. Edison International, ticker symbol EIX, has paid dividends since 1910, and Consolidated Edison Incorporated, ticker symbol ED, has paid dividends since 1885. UGI Corp, ticker symbol UGI, which is a propane, gas, and electricity distributor, has paid dividends since 1885, and ExxonMobil Corporation, ticker symbol XOM, has paid dividends since 1882. Some big companies that you're sure to recognize that have paid dividends for over 100 years include Coca-Cola, ticker symbol KO, which has paid dividends since 1893, Stanley Black & Decker Incorporated, ticker symbol SWK, which is best known for its tools, has paid dividends since 1877, and Eli Lilly and Company, ticker symbol LLY, which is one of the big pharmaceutical companies, has paid dividends since 1885. There are also several consumer goods companies that have been paying dividends for over 100 years, including Procter & Gamble, ticker symbol PG, which has brands like Bounty and Charmin and has been paying dividends since 1891. Colgate-Palmolive Company, which also makes household supplies, has been paying dividends since 1895. And General Mills, which is probably best known for its cereals, but also has many other products and has paid dividends since 1898. There are also other companies that are not so well-known that have been paying dividends for over a century, and those include PPG Industries Incorporated, ticker symbol PPG, which is a paint coating and glass company, and it has paid dividends since 1899. Johnson Controls Incorporated, ticker symbol JCI, is a large producer of battery and HVAC systems, and they've paid dividends since 1887. Church and Dwight Company Incorporated, ticker symbol CHD, has paid dividends since 1901, though 
the dividends are relatively small and is currently at 1.32%. So one form of getting more passive income from actually just buying stocks would be to concentrate on buying stocks of dividend-paying companies or finding a mutual fund that is heavy on dividend-paying companies. The next type of passive income I'd like to talk about is capital gains, which is the passive income you earn when you sell an asset for more than your cost basis or how much you purchase that asset for. This applies to any asset, whether it's shares of a stock, real estate, or a business. Capital gains is not generally considered a stream of income since once you sell the asset, you no longer get any income from the asset. So it's not a stream of income, it's just a bolus of income when you sell the asset. However, many people do sell off shares of stock in their portfolios in order to actually have income during retirement. So the gradual selling of shares can provide you capital gains passive income. Royalties and licensing is when you let someone use your idea or your intellectual property and is another great form of passive income. Royalties are specifically payments for right to use of an asset or property and are generally calculated as a percentage of gross revenue or net profit. In contrast, licensing fees are also payments for the right to use an asset or property, but usually it comes with a fixed payment amount. If you write a book through a publishing company, you'll likely get paid royalties from the book published company based on the sales of the book. Music has all sorts of royalties. There can be royalties from print rights, which is the actual sheet music, or you can have mechanical royalties from recording of composed music on media. There are also performance royalties based on the performance of the music piece, as well as synchronization royalties for the use of adapting music for things like movies, television shows, and commercials. If you have a pen on something, you may set up a situation where you sell the ability to use your intellectual property to someone that could either be paid through royalties or a licensee fee. What makes royalty and licensing fees a great passive income is that once you create the intellectual property, you can continue to receive royalties and licensing fees for the rest of your life with a minimal amount of additional work. However, that original intellectual property could be a significant amount of work in the beginning. Rental income is also generally considered passive income. Rental income comes from renting or leasing property to a person or business. We often think of rental property from real estate, but you can also get rental property from renting anything, vehicles, equipment, or even furniture. Since most, if not all, property that is rented depreciates, this type of income can often be tax-free since the depreciation of the property offsets the rental income. Some people look at getting rental income as more active than passive due to the amount of work that can be involved. In the beginning, there is a steep learning curve as you build a team of realtors, contractors, property managers, and learn how to run the numbers so that you purchase a property at a price point that will produce positive cash flow. It is possible to build systems such that direct real estate ownership can be a good source of passive income. This is especially true as rents typically increase over time, real estate property appreciates, which allows cash flow to increase, especially with long-term fixed rate mortgages. Even though real estate investors call owning rental property directly active real estate investing compared to investing in syndications as passive real estate investing, rental income is generally considered passive unless you meet material participation standards established by the IRS. Which leads us into the conversation of what the IRS actually counts as active or passive income. 
The IRS has specific rules for what it calls material participation, which determines whether a taxpayer has actively participated in the income-producing activity, whether it's business or real estate. The reason this matters is that passive losses can only be written off against passive income, and generally active losses can only be written off against active income. You can't take a passive loss to offset active income. Generally, real estate rental income is considered passive income. In a previous podcast episode, I discussed how you could turn your paper real estate losses from depreciation into an active loss by either getting real estate professional status or by using what people call the short-term rental loophole. Material participation doesn't apply to only real estate investing, but also applies to business in general. You could own a business or shares a business, and that income may be considered passive or active, depending on whether you materially participated. You can find the rules for material participation at the IRS website, and I'll include that webpage in the show notes. The definition of material participation is a trade or business activity isn't a passive activity if you materially participated in the activity. Here are the seven main rules of material participation. If you satisfy any one of the tests, then you are considered to have materially participated in that trade or business activity. Test one, you participated in the activity for more than 500 hours. Test two, your participation was substantially all of the participation in the activity of all individuals for the tax year, including the participation of individuals who don't own any interest in the activity. That basically means that if you basically do everything for the business, you're a solo entrepreneur and you do all the workings of the business, then you materially participated. Test number three, you participated in the activity for more than 100 hours during the tax year, and you participated at least as much as any other individual, including individuals who don't own any interest in the activity for the year. Here's what's often used for short-term rentals, where you spend over 100 hours in one year and more than anyone else. So more than any contractors or anyone doing any part of the business. With test two, you don't even need 100 hours. So let's say you just worked 20 hours on your business, but no one else worked on the business, then you would still have materially participated. The difference in step three is that you have to have done over 100 hours a year. If you had a contractor do five hours here, a different contractor do 20 hours there, then as long as you did more than anyone else and over 100 hours, you have materially participated. Test number four, the activity is a significant participation activity, and you participate in all significant participation activities for more than 500 hours. A significant participation activity is any trade or business activity in which you participated for more than 100 hours during the year and in which you didn't materially participate under any of the material participation tests other than this test. See significant participation passive activities under recharacterization of passive income later. Test number five, you materially participated in the activity other than meeting this fifth test for any five, whether or not consecutive, of the 10 immediately preceding tax years. So if you've materially participated in the business for five years, and then you stop materially participating for the next five years, you can actually still count that income as active. Test number six. The activity is a personal service activity in which you materially participated for any three, whether or not consecutive, preceding tax years. 
An activity is a personal service activity that involves the performance of personal services in the fields of health, including veterinary services, law, engineering, architecture, accounting, actuarial science, performing arts, consulting, or any other trade or business in which capital isn't a material income producing factor. And test number seven, based on all the facts and circumstances, you have participated in the activity on a regular, continuous, and substantial basis during the year. You didn't materially participate in the activity under test seven if you participated in the activity for 100 hours or less during the year. Your participation in managing the activity doesn't count in determining whether you materially participated under this test if any person other than you received compensation for managing the activity or any individual spent more hours during the tax year managing the activity than you did, regardless of whether the individual was compensated for management services. This is how you could actually own a business and be working somewhat on the business, but have it be passive income because you really have hired a manager to really run the business, like that laundromat example I used earlier. Basically, the IRS considers all investing and business activity as passive unless you meet the definition of material participation. Whether you want a source of income to be passive or active in the eyes of the IRS will depend on where you may have losses that you want to use to offset income to lower taxes. Many physicians want active paper losses from depreciation of property to offset the active earned income they have as a physician. However, if you have passive income from owning shares in a surgical center, you can use passive paper losses from depreciation to offset that income. No one wants actual losses with their investing, but paper losses from depreciation can translate as tax savings depending on how it's used. This is the reason to understand what is considered passive income versus active income in the eyes of the IRS. The key to multiple streams of income is to diversify so that you have income coming in from multiple places. This provides some measure of security since it's unlikely that all your different streams of income will dry up at the same time. If you lose your earned income job, but you have income streams from other sources, then you can still pay for your housing, food, and other basic living expenses from that other income and not be totally reliant on saving. How many streams of income do you currently have? How many different types of income do you currently have? Are you interested in developing more streams of income? Maybe you want to consider buying shares of a business that pays distributions, which is essentially what you're doing when you're investing in some syndications. You may want to consider investing syndications that give you more cash flow versus more capital gains. If this is something that you would like more help with, consider working with me. I am taking a limited number of one-to-one -one clients so that you can get personal attention to develop your financial goals and make a plan on how to achieve them. Imagine how your life could be different if you had multiple streams of income, including growing passive income so that you could start to decrease your need for earned income. If you're ready to take action to make this your reality, sign up to chat with me at growyourwealthlymindset.com. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could share it with your friends and colleagues. And now for the disclaimer. I am not a certified financial planner, accountant, or attorney, and nothing I say should be construed as professional investment, tax, or legal advice. This show is primarily for your education and entertainment. I am a physician, but I'm probably not your physician. So if you need any medical advice, please contact your own physician.
Thank you.